1: Listen and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look
0: forward to hearing from you. I get those wheels to turn in from town to town. There's so much I gotta see. I gotta look around. I got diesel smoke rolling from two crumb stacks. My address is 408. 414 A big blue mag Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have that white line fever too
2: Dennis McKay bringing you the song The Road Is My Life and that song was written by Dennis McKay and none other than our good friend Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries. He is very multi-talented especially when he gets around somebody like Dennis McKay that has talent huh Gary?
1: That's what it takes to be uh, successful at anything is surround yourself with people that know what they're doing.
2: That's exactly right. I've always found that out. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room.
1: Well we, we sure appreciate these drivers letting us ride along with them In the cab. In the cab. Yeah, and we just love being a part of their life, and we love it when they're a part of our life. We just love when they give us a call and tell us about uh, the radio programs
0: that we're doing. You know, America is riding on our shoulders if you're a truck driver. Uh, You are the guys that keep this economy rolling, and uh, sometimes one of the most underappreciated Uh, occupations is American truck driver but uh, I tell you as they used to say on uh, (laughs) hee-haw salute joy with you I'll share yeah and when my ship comes in I'm gonna leave this world of sin and go sailing right on up through the air. yeah I'm gonna take the trip on God full you. I'm going far beyond the sky, yeah, and I'm gonna shout and sing, good love knows until all heaven reigns, while I'm beating
3: this old world goodbye. to be for with Christ
0: I am man and
3: I'm
2: going
3: far beyond the sky,
0: yeah, and I'm gonna shout and sing, good Lord knows until all heaven rings, while I'm beating this soul goodbye, goodbye. while I'm beating this soul
2: Today's program there's somebody on here listening that this message is for them that God is going to open up a door and speak to you today listen to what Terry has to say what an awesome God that not only he serves but we all serve
1: this message here is for everybody out there and God is getting ready to speak to your heart here's our good friend Terry Hopkins.
4: if you would turn your Bible to Matthew chapter seven verse 13 verse 14 I need an urgency in my heart to win people I need an urgency in my heart to go all over the world I need an urgency and a lot of times I'm gonna tell you as much as you love the Lord and, and as much as you care for the Lord there's times in your life when absolutely you just need something to just give you that urgency And tonight I want to use the Word of God. And I hope you leave here tonight with a greater urgency in your heart for the lost than you've ever had. In verse 13 it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, I want to preach on seven danger signals on the broad way. Now, Jesus is talking about there's a broad way there in the world and there's a narrow way, which is in Christ Jesus. And on the broad way, listen, there's no rules on the broad way. Anything goes on the broad way. Homosexuality is fine on the broad way. Murdering babies is okay on the broad way. Anything goes in the world. And I'm going to tell you right now, going all over the world and seeing what's going on in the world, America is quickly becoming one of the most godless countries in the world. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's, it's the church. Now, Tony Evans preached a message a few weeks ago, and he was talking about Katrina and talking about supernatural disasters and said, Katrina said, no man made Katrina. No man could co- control Katrina. And that Katrina came ashore and did all that destruction. He said, and that was the sovereignty of God. He said, but listen, church, and church, this is the truth. He said, church, he said, those levees is what caused the most damage, though. And those levies were man-made. And he said, church, I want you to get a hold of this. He said, church, you are the levy. When the church breaks down, oh, when the church breaks down, oh, listen to this, it's going to turn loose the flood of God's judgment on this nation and on this world, and church, we're in trouble. And we need an urgency about us, not only to do right, but to reach this world for Jesus Christ. So I just want to refresh you with scripture tonight, about the Broadway, about the world, and why we need to have an urgency, and why we need to feel like we need to go tonight, we need to go before midnight, we need to do what we're going to do now, because the day comes when no man can work. But the first thing is you're in danger of hardening your heart. And I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, and you don't have to turn there, but if you'll write them down, I beg you to look them up later and look at them. In Hebrews 3, 7 through 8, he said, Wherefore, is the Holy Ghost said, If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Again, he limited a certain day saying in David today, after so long a time, it is said, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Listen, uh, I I went to work when I, (laughs) when I got saved, uh, the company I'd worked for for 11 years and I was manager. And Tom, they fired me because after three months they said they didn't need a preacher on the payroll. And I was a manager, I had a company car. Tom, they took my keys, they took everything I had in 30 minutes, and and I had to start walking. I had to walk home, I didn't even have a ride home. And I had to paint houses, I I framed houses for a year before I could get back in the electrical business. But when I did, oh listen, God opened up the door to win people, And, and, and there was a guy there named Travis. And Travis, absolutely, Uh, from the first time I witnessed to him, he let me know real quick, he didn't want any part of Jesus, he didn't want any part. And I said, Travis, I said, listen, brother, I just love you. He said, you don't love me and you don't know me. And he said, I don't want any part of this. And he said, I'm telling you, leave me alone. So I did for about two days. And and then I said something else to him, and and I mean, he actually, I thought he was going to uh, physically hurt me. And for a year, I mean, people were getting saved in there, and the more people that got saved, it seemed like the matter he got, and the more disturbed he got, and the harder his heart got... And for a year that went on, and listen, I I finally, there was one Friday afternoon, God burdened me. I could not, I could not keep my mouth shut. I could not not go to him. I'm talking about an urgency. I said, well, if he kills me, he kills me. But I've got to say something to Travis. I went to him that afternoon as he was leaving, stopped the car he was in with a group of men. I said, Travis, I said, you told me not to say anything else to you. And I said, brother, I've tried my best, but I feel such an urgency. And I said, Travis, you've hardened your heart. And I said, brother, that's dangerous. Don't harden your heart. I said, I am begging you, brother. You need Jesus and you need to get saved. And Travis, listen to me. And he shocked me. He said, Terry, he said, I've been thinking about this. And he said, it's been on my mind and it's been on my heart. And he said, I am thinking about it. And he said, Terry, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, Monday, he said, Monday, he said, we'll talk. I said, Travis, don't wait till Monday. I said, let's talk now. And Travis said, no, man, I, I, I'm with these guys. I got to go. Travis left there, Chamblee, Georgia, drove to a liquor store, picked up a pint of liquor. And this is what they told me later. Went down to Auburn Avenue, walked into a bar, and a man was waiting behind the door and stuck a butcher knife in Travis's heart. He never had a moment to think he never had a moment to repent. He had hardened his heart against God. As far as Travis knew, he had to the next day, he had the rest of his life. He did not have the next hour. Oh listen, when they give the warning for the hurricane it amazes me. They still give the warning in days and they gave the warning in Louisiana and still a thousand people died even with those warnings and time to get out of there. Last night in Indiana, they had eight minutes. They blew the siren in eight minutes and in just a few minutes after that, 21 people went out to meet Jesus. I'm telling you church, we need an urgency in our heart and we don't need to harden our hearts. Listen, you're in danger The Bible says of losing your soul. In Mark 8 36, he said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And he spake a parable to them in Luke 12, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, Well, what shall I do? I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This I'll do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruits and all my goods, and I will to my soul. So thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? When you, that you have provided so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and not rich toward God. I tell you if America, if there's any country in the world where we've got riches and where people have laid up their riches, it is in this country. God has so blessed this country and we have so much. I'll tell you what we are. We're spoiled. Absolutely rotten. Only thing we see in the future, most of the people, most of, even the churches now, it's about building buildings. It's about putting in new carpet. It's about having the biggest and the baddest and the best. And folks, I'm telling you right now, that is not it. People are in danger of losing their soul in church. We need to realize that. We need to be teaching our children that. How old is Crosby, Russell? He's 11 years old. Russell installed his son Crosby. We had our mission conference last year in February. And, and, and we set a goal of $175,000. And, and listen, we, we got in over $400,000, Brother Pat. But I want to tell you what Crosby did. This 11-year-old little boy without any prompting had saved for a four-wheeler and had been saving a long time, had $900. And you know what he told his daddy? He said, Daddy, he said, I've been listening to what they say. And he said, Daddy, I don't want to buy a four-wheeler now. He said, I'd like to take that $900 and he said, I'd like to give it to the church for missions because I know on down the road, God is going to give me so much back. Now church, I'm talking about 11 year old boy. Come on. I mean, he's absolutely getting it. What are we teaching our children? I mean, what in the world are we teaching our children? We're telling them to build a kingdom right here on earth. This kingdom is going to burn. God's going to destroy this earth. You're in danger of losing your soul. And you're also, listen, you don't hear this from the pulpits anymore, but I need this for the urgency to have in my heart. You're in danger of spending eternity in hell on the Broadway. You die lost, you go to hell. We're warning the world, but we're warning them of what? What is it we're warning them of? We should be warning them that hell is as real as heaven, Satan is as real as Jesus, and listen, brother, you die without Jesus Christ, you'll go to hell. In Matthew 25, then shall he also say unto them on thy left hand, depart from me, you cursed. This is Jesus talking. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. I Sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you, hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and we didn't minister to you? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life." Listen, hell is real, and people are gonna go there that die lost, and when you look at your loved ones, you ought to be looking and thinking, and thinking it's not just a matter will they get saved, will they come to church, will they get into church, Oh, no, 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 no. Will they burn forever and ever? Will they be cast into outer darkness forever and ever? Will they gnash on themselves with their own teeth? Listen, will it be a darkness that you can absolutely feel? Oh, well, Although that is true, Jesus said it was. He preached more about hell than he did about heaven because he wanted to warn this world. He left us here to warn this world. In Revelation twenty eleven, he said, I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Be sure your sins will find you out. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? At the great white throne judgment, we'll be there. If God cast your mother into hell, you'll have to say, Amen, Lord. You're righteous and you're right. And they rejected the Holy One of Israel. Listen, God has never done anything to hurt us. He never will do anything to hurt us. He never made hell for a human. He made hell for the angels and for Satan, but he never meant for us to go there. And then he sent his son so that nobody has to go to hell. But I'm telling you, hell is real tonight. You're also in danger if you go to hell of missing heaven. And listen what Jesus said in John 8, 21 through 24. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you'll seek me, and you shall die in your sins. Can you imagine when it comes to the place of running after Jesus and trying to seek Jesus? Can you imagine when Jesus says, you're going to seek me, but you're not going to find me, and you better find him now and today and while it is grace. Where I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, where I go, you can't come. And he said unto them, you are from beneath. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you will die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. Folks, this is not what I said. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We need to look at the other side of the coin every day. We need to have an urgency in our heart and understand that it is a danger. There's all kinds of dangers out there. You're being in danger of being left when Jesus returns. In Matthew 24 he said, therefore be ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man is coming. Jesus Christ is coming again. In Luke 21 he said, and take heed to yourself lest at any time your heart be overcharged with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life. And so that day comes upon you unaware, for as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that should come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. You're in danger of being left behind when Jesus Christ comes. Now, Brother E.V. Hill has gone on to be with the Lord. Now, if I could have anything, I mean this. Sister, I saw you back there this morning. I, I, you just, uh, uh, I, I appreciate you. But if I could be anything other than what I am right now, I'd like to weigh about 200 more pounds and be black. <laughs> Them big black preachers can just preach. E.V. Hill could preach. Now, I got to hear him preach. I got to preach with him. But I want to tell you what Hill said. He was preaching in a big time way. And he said, listen, church. He said, no man knows the day. And no man knows the hour. He said, but I want to tell you something right now. He said, I know this book. He said, and I know that Jesus is coming again. And he said, folks, I believe it's so soon that Gabriel done licked his lips to blow that trumpet. (laughs) Amen. I believe, Pat, that it could be that quick. Now if Gable done licked his lips and if Gabriel's ready to blow that trumpet, I'm going to tell you what else is ready. Everything in this book is ready. There's not anything else that needs to happen. Everything that needs to happen, every prophecy's been fulfilled, everything that God needs. And listen, no man knows the day. No man knows the hour. And this, we need an urgency in our heart. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. You're in danger of sudden death. You don't know when the death angel's coming. I preach funerals at just little bitty caskets. I preach for teenagers. I tell you what, you do not know. You're in danger of sudden death. Listen to what he said in Proverbs 29 He that being often reproved hardens his neck and suddenly shall be destroyed, and that without remedy. Job said, In a moment shall they die. In a moment. No one knows. I thought Pat was going to kill us last night coming from the airport. You don't know when you're going to go out and meet Jesus. He saved my life. Car did. It stopped right in front of us. And Pat went everywhere. Seems like every time I ride with him, a car stops in front of us. I had a man on our bus route. Listen, he was from New New Jersey. And he he talked like this, 33rd and 3rd Street. Huh? Uh, he did, I promise you he did. And we would go down to John's house and we'd visit. He lived in a trailer park. And old John, man, he, he said, look, he told me up front, he said, man, he said, I've uh, I robbed liquor stores. He said, I've done all kinds of things. You don't know what kind of guy I am. And we would just witnessed to John and witnessed to John. And we went down. My wife was afraid of him. Betty wouldn't go in the trailer uh, when he was there. If he came outside, fine. The neighbors were afraid of him because he would go down the street and somebody looked at him wrong. John would say, hey, what you looking at? And he'd start a fight. So we went down there for about a year. Well, one night it was wintertime. And... and <laughs> It was in the winter, so we had to go in. And I said, Betty, you got to go in with me. She said, I don't want to go in there. I said, well, you got to go. I'm not leaving you out here. And we went in and started to witness to him. And finally, John said, Terry, that's it. He said, brother, let me tell you what I did. He said, I stabbed a Catholic priest one night, rolled him. He said he had less than $10 on him. I don't know if he lived. I don't know if he died. But I know that I stabbed him. And I know that he He laid there and bled. He said, Terry, God doesn't want anything to do with a man that would stab a priest. And Betty spoke up and she said, John, let me tell you something. She said, at Calvary, there's a Roman soldier that ran a sword in the side of the Son of God and said, he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ at the foot of Calvary, and Jesus saved his soul. And John said, is that the truth? Betty said, I'm telling you, it's in the Bible, John. She said, he stabbed the Son of God, yet he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, I can guarantee you, John, God saved him. And old John's tears started running down. And he said, well, then he would save me too. And I said, John, why don't you Ask him and see. Well, John Stepp prayed. God saved John Stepp. And listen, I brought him to church the next Sunday. And oh, man, John had his suit on. The sleeves come up to here. The pants come up to here. And, and But he came to church, praise God. And when he got there, listen, oh, I could tell he enjoyed everything. And after church, we took him out to eat. And listen, that's a good idea. You can get folks to come that are lost if you'll take them out to eat, praise God. But I said, John, what did you like best about the service? And you know what John told me? He said, I'm gonna be honest with you. He said, the best part to me was when them bouncers come around and pass the plate. He said, they got all that money, didn't even have a gun. I said, that's amazing, ain't it, John? He Said it was to me. Listen, about three weeks later, we pulled up on the bus down there. We used to get six, seven, eight kids out there. Russell worked on the bus. That you know what it's like. But we went down there and Russell, there must have been 45 kids out there waiting to get on the bus. And John step was standing right out in front of all of them. We pulled up there and said, goodness gracious. Said, John, where did all these young'uns come from? He said, well, he said, I went down to the trailer park yesterday. And every time I'd see their mom and dad, I'd say, "And hey, them kids go to church tomorrow, Right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make that up. I wanted to. <laughs> John stepped absolutely. God changed everything about his life. John called me and told me, he said, my brother-in-law is going to be down this weekend. He said, would you come talk to my brother-in-law? He, he, he said, he don't know nothing about the Lord. And I said, John, I'd be glad to. I said, we'll be visiting the bus route Saturday. When we stop by, he's there. I, I'd like to take some time with him. So We went and the brother-in-law was there, and uh, I felt that urgency, and, and I couldn't leave him. And after 10, 15 minutes, Betty finally said, Terry, we got to visit the bus route. I said, well, I can't do it, Betty. I said, you go ahead, I'll meet y'all. She came back two hours later. I was still there, pleading with him, and, and, and he would have no part of it. He asked 10,000 questions about nothing that meant nothing, and uh, I finally, I just said, look, I have never in my life pleaded this much with anybody to get saved. And I said, I'm begging you, please get saved. And he said, no, he said, not today. I said, well, brother, I said, can I pray? We prayed, Betty and I left. And I said, I just feel so bad about this guy. I got a call at 6 a.m. Sunday morning. It was John Stepp. He said, well, preacher, you got your way. I said, what do you mean, John? I got my way. What's going on? He said, my brother-in-law said he just died. I said, what? Guy was in his thirties. I said, he just died. He said, yeah. And I said, what? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, uh, probably a heart attack. But said, they'll have to do an autopsy. He said, you know, Said, he hadn't been sick or nothing. He said, but the family thinks that because you came and, and prayed that, that, that God killed him because he wouldn't get saved. And I said, oh no. No, that, that's just not absolutely not the truth. And listen to this. He said, my brother-in-law, he said, the last statement that I heard him make was you tell that blankety blank preacher that I did not get saved. As sure as this is the Word of God, he closed his eyes in death and opened his eyes in hell. And he's still there today. And he's still suffering. And it's eternal. And he can't die And his conscience won't go away. And he's repeated 10,000 times the conversation, the opportunity, the chance that he had to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. I went down that day. I couldn't wait. I went down to that family and Betty said, please don't go. She said, Terry, they're upset and they don't understand. I said, Betty, I can't not go. I've got to go and I've got to talk to these people. And I went and I talked to him and I told him, I said, I did not pray uh, that God would kill your husband. I wouldn't pray that God would kill your daddy. I prayed that he would accept Jesus Christ and that he would go to heaven. I ended up winning that entire family to the Lord Jesus Christ, the entire family. But I want to tell you, that man doesn't get another chance. He doesn't get another opportunity. And church, we need an urgency with the people that we witness to if we don't have that urgency. Last night when Pat and I came through uh, and come out of parking, I pulled a track out of my pocket. And I said, Pat, I said, here, I said, give this to this guy in the motel. I, I, I put tracks down where in the, where, the waiting room where I was waiting on you, Pat. And you put these tracks and, and listen You've got to have an urgency. And if you don't get in the Word of God, and if preachers are not going to preach, and they're not going to tell you the dangers that are out there, and you're not going to believe that and realize that, church, we're timing. We're that levy that will end up breaking down, and God's judgment is coming. It's guaranteed as sure as His grace. You can be assured of His judgment. He's a perfect and righteous judge, and He will judge sin. His son died for it. Now, I want you to write this scripture down, and I'm going to read it to you. It's Proverbs 1, 24 through 32. But this is truth. You're in danger of crossing God's deadline. You say, God doesn't have a deadline. Don't scare me with that. Well, just listen to the Word of God. He said, because I have called, and you refused. I stretched out my hand. And no man regarded, but you have said it naught all of my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when fear comes. When your fear comes as a whirlwind and when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and prosperity of fools shall destroy him. Folks, that's the word of God. I didn't come up with that. God said, there'll come a time, there'll come a day, I'll laugh at your calamity. You tell me, what would you do if you gave your son for my life and I trampled on his blood? How would you feel about that? God is righteous, God is holy, and God is a perfect judge. And one day he's going to judge every lost person. Listen, oh gosh, out west, they have prairie fires. And then, when those prairie fires start, they can't put them out because they're thousands of acres and they just burn wild. So, what they do, Russell, they go out there and start another fire. And they burn that fire toward the fire because when fire meets fire, there's nothing else to burn. And it just runs out. And I want you to know something my judgment, the fire of God's judgment, fell on Jesus Christ at Calvary, and where fire's been, where judgment's been, judgment's not going again. And July the 18th, 1982, when I ran to the foot of the cross, listen, the judgment of God had fell on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the judgment of God will never fall on me. That's good news. We need an urgency. In the book of Romans, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through his lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. it's For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that against nature. And even, listen to this church, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. This is the word to do those things which are not convenient. Then Jesus said, a little while is the light with you. While you walk, have the light, lest darkness come upon you. Church, you can believe this. If God tears His coming, the homosexuals want their rights. The abortionists want their rights. And you better believe this. It'll come to a time that people that are sexually abusing children... Child molesters, they're going to want their rights because they're going to say, we were born child molesters. We didn't become child molesters. We didn't have a choice about it. It's just who we are. And we have our rights. We have absolutely given away everything to a godless nation. And church, it's time that the church stood up and said, we're not taking another step backwards. We're going to stand on this word. We're going to preach this word. We're going to believe this word. And we're going to take it to the entire world. Jesus said, walk while you have the light, because darkness will come upon you. That puts urgency in my heart. He said, the darkness knows not whether you go. While you have the light, believe the light, that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. You know why we don't see more miracles I can tell you why we don't see more miracles. We don't go. You get out there on a bus route, you'll see miracles. You go out there and start knocking on doors, you'll see miracles. You start praying for people and get a burden for them, and you'll see God do miracles. We had a little girl ride one day, Russell. She ridden for the first time, and we took her off the bus that Sunday, went down to the apartment, and, and, and her mother came to the door, and they had all everything packed up. and I said, "What's going on?" They said. Well, we're, <clears throat> we're leaving. And I, I said, well, where are you going? He said, we're going up, moving up North Georgia, up in the mountains. And I said, uh, when? And they said, tomorrow. I said, well, listen. I said, when we take all these kids back, I said, in about an hour, could we come back by and just talk to you for a few minutes? And she said, well, sure. Why not? So we, we took the kids home. We came back by and we went in. The guy was sitting there and he had one leg. He'd been in a motorcycle accident. He'd lost his job. He was losing his apartment. He was depressed. And and, and I I sat there and I said, uh, listen, we probably won't get to see you again. I don't want to bother you. I said, but I do want to talk to you about your soul. Could I talk to you about your soul? We talked to him. We wasn't there 10 minutes. And I said, I said, well, you tell me, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your savior? Yes, I would. I asked his wife. I said, how about you? She said, yes, I would. I said, well, pray this prayer with me. We prayed the prayer. I said, did you accept Jesus as your Savior? He said, yes, I did. I asked his wife. She said, I certainly did. I said, well, listen, there's a church up in North Georgia that I preach at sometimes. And I said, here, let me write the name of it down. Betty and I got in the car and we we're driving on. And I said, you ever done this, Russell? I said, you think they really got saved? <laughs> Betty said, well, of course they did. It wasn't two minutes. She said, what do you think? I said, that's just about too easy, wasn't it? I said, do you think they really thought about that? And She said, well, they prayed the prayer. I said, well, but you know what I didn't know? I didn't know God had been preparing them and getting them ready. You ever went to pick an apple and you hit it with your finger and it fell in your hand because it was so ripe? Well, that's just how ripe they was. And it was about a year later. And Russell, when we used to... uh, wear out buses. We wouldn't sell them. We'd give them away. And I had given three or four buses away to different churches. Well, we went to preach one night and got through and the service was open. This guy came down walking like this, had on a coat and tie. And he said, brother, you remember me? I said, man, I meet a lot of people. I don't know if I do or not. He said, sure you do. You came down to my house on a Sunday afternoon. And I said, uh, Sunday afternoon? He said, I just had a motorcycle wreck. He said, I didn't have my, 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 my leg then. And I said, yeah. Oh, well, of course I remember you. Sure I remember you. He said, man, we got saved that day. I said, Betty, did you hear that? They got saved that day. <laughs> I said, they did. They sure did. They got saved. And listen, he said, Terry, he said, we came up here. said, God just changed our life. And he said, I got up one day and told church. He said, listen. He said, I, I want to do like them folks did down there with us. He said, I'd like to drive that bus out there, but I can't drive no straight shift. He said, Terry, they took up it. Said to put an automatic transmission in the bus. He said, I've been driving that bus all up down these mountains, picking up youngers. And he said, Terry, would you like to come see my bus? I said, Well, sure I would. Come on, Betty. We went out there and listen. The bus that came by my house. For three years, bus 19. When I first went to work at the church, we were washing buses. I was the bus washer. I was, man. I thought I'd wash buses until Jesus came back. And you better remember this it's not what you're doing, it's who you're doing it for. And I was washing buses for Jesus. And they backed that old 19 in. And that boy, I just couldn't help it. I broke down. The boy said, what's wrong? I said, man, that's a bus God sent by my house. I said, for three years, old 19, I've stood in the wind and cussed it. I said, man, why don't they quit coming and knocking on the door? And if it's Saturday, why don't they go to the lake and enjoy their life? What's wrong with them? Uh, But here I am up in the mountains a year after this old guy got saved. And he said, Terry, you gotta see my bus. Me and Betty rounded the corner, went out there and Betty shouted. When Betty shouts, it's real. <laughs> Betty said, oh my, guess what he had, Pat? Bus 19, it was one of the buses we'd give away from. He said, I wanted to run a bus just like you did. I said, that, I said brother, that ain't just like it, that's it. <laughs> you know why you don't see miracles? You don't go. You go out there and you're going to see them. Listen, God's going to pump you up, fire you up. Last Tuesday morning, baptized 44 adult men at the prison, didn't we, brother? Praise God. Listen, God is still doing miracles. I've got a lady down in Jackson County on death row, Kelly Gessendana. She killed her husband, hurt her boyfriend. She got the death penalty. She's exhausted every appeal. She stayed at Gwinnett County for a year. And listen, I kept witnessing to her, and she's, I'm innocent, and I don't know why they're doing this to me. She finally got saved, and two days later, she got guilty. She told the lawyer, she said, oh, I'm guilty. I did it. I can't lie about it no more. And they gave her the death penalty, but let me tell you something. She may have got the death penalty here. She might have messed up down here, but let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. She's going to live in paradise forever. When he died, he died for all sins. That encourages me, praise God. Anybody can get saved. It's too dangerous. If you're on the Broadway tonight, you're not saved. You say, I got time. Says who? Who said you had time? And the death angel has already told you your appointment's been put off. You got a while. You don't know that. I don't know that. I got to ride home with Pat. Church, we are the levy. We are breaking down. Church, you've got something here that's just not everywhere. I don't say this because Pat's my friend. Boy, I tell you what Miss Starla sang this morning. And if you weren't aware of the Holy Ghost of God's presence in this place... You are lost, and, 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 and I, I mean you're lost. You're not backslid. You're lost. God is in this place. God is doing the work. Palatka, they're fixing to build all around this place. And church, you know what you need? You You, you got preaching. Lord of mercy, this morning I stood here and I waited for them to come pouring down the aisle so I could go home and tell a man invitation lasted like it did in Missouri for 30 minutes. And nobody came. Nobody. Nobody. I've never given an invitation that I didn't need to come to. Church, we need an urgency. You need an urgency. You're being prepared right now to meet the needs of thousands of people. Ron, you're not here by mistake, brother. You know that. There's a calling on your life. Man, you left a great church. You left a great work. And God's so using you. Your pastor said today that you brought dignity. That's a nice word, isn't it? (laughs) And then he said the most important thing of all. He's anointed with the Spirit of God. Amen. Your worship, your worship, your singing, your praises going up to God. Oh, church, listen to me. This is just seven dangers. Hardening your heart, losing your soul, spending eternity in hell, missing heaven, being left when Jesus returns, sudden death. And you can cross God's deadline. I beg you tonight. If you don't have a burden and an urgency, ask God to give it to you. If you don't have an urgency for your family, shame on you. You ought to call them tonight when you get home and beg them. I'm so sorry. I haven't said anything to you else about Jesus. But I may not be here tomorrow. And I may not have another chance to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you tonight. Church, you are the levy. You are what's holding back. You are the remnant. I believe if it weren't for churches just like this, God would come back tomorrow. But he said it's not my will that any should perish. Pastor, you come on.
1: Well, friends, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Are you saved? I'm not asking you if you're a good person or if you go to church. I'm asking, are you saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? If you was at the gates of heaven and St. Peter asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? What would the answer be? Do you know the answer? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and death is the separation from God, and separation from God is an eternity in hell. That's bad news. But I've got some good news for you. The good news of the Bible is that God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9 the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between Jews or Greeks, rich or poor, the same Lord over all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord... Shall be saved. Are you saved? If you're not sure. If you're not living for Jesus. Pray this prayer with me right now. Oh God. I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross. For my sins. I believe his shed blood. Death, burial and resurrection. Was just for me. I now receive him as my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me for my sins. I receive this gift of salvation and everlasting life because of your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Tell me, about Jesus all about forgiveness and grace Tell me one more time about Jesus Lord I need a little more faith Here comes my old friend the preacher. knocking at my door Out trying to save all the sinners He's been here so many times before I love the easy conversation Man that You sure can tell. Brings up my need for salvation. Even though he knows I'm stubborn to a fault. So tell me one more time about Jesus. All about forgiveness. Tell me one more time about Jesus Lord, I need a little more faith Walk by the church Sunday morning Slipped on in the back door Sure been a long time coming Tell me preacher what I need to know His words were like a cool drink of water He said sinners come on down for the altar Should have seen my old friend the preacher smile So tell me one more time about Jesus All about forgiveness and grace Tell me one more I need Gary, this has been an awesome, awesome ride in the cab, but I hear that driver up there, man, and he's downshifting. I think there's a truck stop up here. He's-
1: well, you're right about that, Dennis, but we got time for one more song off of our Lonesome Road Volume 3 CD. Awesome. Let's do it. Well, I didn't go to
3: church I never been to Sunday school I was raised in a bar room, Cut my teeth on a hundred proof I was a member of Beer Drinkers Association Till one night at closing time Got a barroom education The bartender was my preacher the barstool was my pew He said, boy, you won't find the answer In the bottom of that food. He wasn't holding a Bible He had a revelation He took my hand and he prayed me through To a honky-tonk salvation up the congregation the bar is now a church where i found honky-tonk salvation the bartender was my preacher the bar stew was my pew he said boy you won't find the answer in the bottom of that booth he wasn't holding a bible He had a revelation He took my hand and he prayed me through To a honky-tonk salvation He took my hand and he prayed me through To a honky-tonk salvation
1: We we sure appreciate these drivers letting us ride along with them in the cab. In the cab. Yeah. And we just love being a part of their life. And we can't wait till next week when we get to
2: ride along with you in the cab. And drivers, my friend Gary Rayburn has a song called "At The Foot of the Tree that Dennis McKay uh, recorded for Gary and did an awesome job. And uh, that's the first song that we've done on, it is.
1: on uh, Lonesome Road, Volume, Volume 1.
0: Volume 1, that was the very first one.
1: Yeah. Here is Dennis McKay singing At the Foot of the Tree.
0: At the crossroads of life, lost without hope. Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those eighteen wheels are rolling Down that old lonesome road I share the good news Wherever I go Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.
1: To hear from you. My phone number is 618-383-2107. Or you can call Chaplain Dennis McKay. 662
2: 889 2829 Or you can give Chaplain Daryl Spicer a call. 615 663 3199
1: And we'll be in the cab with you next week.
2: That's
0: right, I'll be right here with Gary and with Daryl shifting gears and drinking coffee.
2: That's it. Yeah. We'll talk at you later. There you go.
0: Out of pittsburgh rolling down that eastern seaboard. i got my diesel turned up and she's running like never before well there's a speed on her head all right but i don't see a cop in sight six days on the road and i'm gonna make it on tonight i got me ten forward gears and a georgia overdrive no peels cause my eyes are open wide I just passed a favo and a white I've been passing everything in sight Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight I'll take it home It on down the line. I'm a little overweight and my law goes way behind. Nothing bothers me tonight. I can dodge all the scales, alright. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight. Well, my rig's a little low, but that don't mean she's slow. The flame from its stack and the smoke blowing black as coal Well my hometown's a coming in sight And if you think I'm happy you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight I said six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Look yeah, out,